This week, we're going to talk about Cornelius and Peter. This is actually a huge moment in time. This is where the Gentiles are about to be included. This isn't something that's a big topic in today's church, but in this culture, it was a huge deal where the Gentiles were not the chosen people. The Jews were the chosen people. And this is all going to change in this moment. The chosen people are going to go from a specific group to anyone who wants in. It's an amazing change. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt unchosen? You know, like you're going to be the last one picked. You just don't belong. You're not one of the chosen people. You're not one of the privileged few. You just are who you are. This is about God choosing all of us. Let's get a picture of the culture that this happened in. Because in our culture, there is problems with including and excluding. But I don't know that we fully understand the significance of the Jew-Gentile division in biblical times. And how many people think Jesus was a pretty good guy? Messiah in the Trinity, lived a sinless life. Let's look at an interaction that Jesus had with the Canaanite woman. And we'll understand the depth of the division in society at this time. Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity, so a unchosen woman, not a Jewish woman, a Canaanite. A Gentile woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. If you're a parent, have you ever hurt for your kids? She hurt for her daughter. She goes to Jesus, the Messiah, the healer, the miracle worker, the deliverer. Verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. So he just ignores her. She's crying out. He just blows her off. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. So apparently this has been going on for a while and they're just ignoring her, hoping she'll just leave. Verse 24, so he says to the lady, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. First, he ignores her. Now he dismisses her. Look, yes, I have miracles. I have incredible power, but not for you. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. He ignored her. He said, this is not for you. And then he insults her. Yes, I have blessings, but not blessings for dogs. This is Jesus. Are you feeling this? This is powerful. This is incredible division. There's a moment in time that's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. What happens now? Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. He's like, yeah, the Gentiles aren't supposed to be included yet, but you know what? We're just going to make one exception here because, wow, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. She was an unchosen person. She did not belong. She was not in the group. She was ignored, dismissed, insulted, but she refused to be unchosen. She just decided, I will be chosen. Jesus will give me my miracle because my daughter is worth it. And she kept at it. And Jesus, finally, you've got great faith, grants the request. 
Now, the Gentiles weren't going to be excluded forever, but in this moment, in this, you know, epic, they were excluded. God's plan was to include the Gentiles eventually. Isaiah 49, verse 6, Old Testament prophecy says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So it was prophesied that the children of Abraham, the nation of Israel, would not be the only place that salvation came, but to the entire world, to the Gentile nations as well, because we are all children of God. But I want you to get a grip on the division, the power of the division in that culture at that time. And so that's the reality we're in in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1, and this is all going to change. The divisions are going to be broken down, and the excluded are going to be included. The unchosen are going to be chosen. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. So he's a military man, and he's got a 100 people underneath him. So he's a fairly high-ranking guy. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So he's an unchosen Gentile who loves God. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who was called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So Cornelius is like, all right, go get Peter. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Verse 11, he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, these are things you're not supposed to eat according to the Jewish law. The voice says, get up, kill, and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This is the moment in time where the message is that what was once unclean is now made clean. That what once was excluded is now included. Now the unchosen become chosen. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Verse 16. This happened three times. So he says, surely not, Lord, three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. So there's a vision for Cornelius. An angel appears to him. He sends men to go get Peter. God prepares Peter by giving him a vision as well. Then the people show up at the gate. Verse 18, they called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, 
So now he's not having a vision. He's getting that still small voice. He just knows all of a sudden, you know, it's that still small voice in his heart. Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up, go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. So Cornelius is a good guy. God was planning to include the Gentiles from the beginning of time. Why did he pick Cornelius specifically? This could have happened in a variety of different ways where the Gentiles are included. Why Cornelius? He's a God-fearing man. He gives generously to the poor. And God just saw him and knew He's going to be down with the plan. And so Cornelius gets to be the man. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. So some of the Jewish believers went with. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So he's anticipating Peter's going to come. They got a crowd ready at the house. Verse 25, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. So Cornelius, the centurion, the military man, who's got a hundred people underneath him, kneels down on the ground in front of Peter. Verse 26, but Peter made him get up, stand up. He said, I'm only a man myself. Even though he's a Jew, this is a Gentile. He's like, yeah, let's stand up here. Verse 27. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him, but God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? So God has shown him, don't call any man impure or unclean. Go with, and Peter says, what am I doing here? Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good for you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. The excluded become included. The unchosen become chosen. God is showing Peter through Cornelius and all of these miracles of visions that God accepts men, people from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Here's the message. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, but of how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 
dead. So Peter is saying, I'm an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. Verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter is preaching the gospel to the Gentiles in Cornelius's house. And what happens? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? Is like, we're having a revival meeting. We're having a, a Holy Spirit meeting. God has fallen on this place. We've got to give them the right to be included by baptizing them in water. They're already past that. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. You know, back then, baptism was, it was a lot of things, but it was also an initiation into the group. Now you belong. Your sins are washed away. You rise up into a new life and you're one of us. And the Gentiles were baptized into the name of Jesus. Powerful stuff. How do you think the church responded? Peter gets a vision. Cornelius has a vision. They see this incredible revival service happen. Have you ever had a really cool God thing happen and then Christians just sort of got in the way of it? (laughs) That can happen. Let's see how the church responded. Acts 11. Verse 1, the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. So Peter's getting called on the carpet for preaching to the Gentiles. Now, have you ever had somebody higher than you on the authority structure do something and you had to call them on it? I mean, they got to do something pretty serious for you to, to go up the chain of command. They're calling Peter. We cut you a little slack because you're Peter. But you went and talked with Gentiles. You come here and explain yourself. What's going on? They criticized him. Verse 3. And they said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. So he retells the story of just what we read in chapter 10. And here's the response. The end of the explanation, verse 17, and then the response, verse 18. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? So he's like, the Holy Spirit fell on him. God was there. I'm just going with it. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. If someone turns their life to Christ and they're forgiven and they're brought into newness of life, what's our job? Our job is just to agree with God. This person is forgiven. God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Now, just to show again how significant this is, how powerful this is, let's look at the same scenario essentially with the Apostle Paul in Jerusalem. He's telling about his ministry to the non-Christian Jewish people. These are the, the Jewish people that do not know Christ. The apostle Paul is basically doing the same thing. Hey, God's doing stuff with the Gentiles. God called me to deal with the Gentiles. Let's see how the people respond when they don't have the heart of Christ in them. Acts 22, 21 and 22. 
Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So the apostle Paul is telling them, this is what God said, that I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Their response, the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. So this whole deal of, well, I guess the Gentiles are included then, is a big, big, big deal. This morning, I've got three things for you. Three things I would like to see change. So it's my three wishes for the Peter Cornelius sermon. Because this is all about the unchosen being chosen. It's about the excluded being included. And this is a big part of our personal journeys with Christ. Do we belong or don't we? Are we part of what's going on or not? So here are three things along those lines that I want to just talk about. First thing is, I'd make sure that every believer in Jesus had a secure sense of belonging to the body of Christ. That every believer had a security in understanding they belong. They're chosen, they're included, they belong. If God has brought you in, you're in. Don't keep trying to get in, just know you're in. When I got saved again, I, you know, I'm from a non-Christian background. I didn't fit the mold at all. I mean, I didn't just not fit in, in the sense of I didn't know what was going on. But I mean, people didn't like me. I'd go to, to church things and I'd go to Bible studies and I'd ask questions and people would get really mad because there's certain questions you just can't ask in polite Christian circles. And I had no idea. Then I'm studying philosophy and I got all this stuff and then people are just, they're nervous about me. And I didn't fit in. And I would go to church and I would look at these people and they were not like me. And I didn't even know what to call myself. So way back then, I used to say, well, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I think I'm a normal person that believes in Jesus. You know, because I do believe in Jesus and I trust in the Lord with all my heart. But I just don't think I'm one of them. They're very different from me. They're using words. I don't know what they mean. You know, you say good luck to one of them, they get super upset. Like, I don't even know what's going on. And so I didn't feel like I belonged. And that was something that the devil was able to turn in my heart to kind of isolate me from the group. You know who the enemy can attack? The ones who are isolated. The ones who are off to the side. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour the ones in the middle of the group, in the middle of the pack. It's the stragglers, the ones off to the side. So he tries to isolate us and then take us down. And so I walked right into that. And then I realized I needed to be like that Canaanite woman and just go ahead and belong. Didn't matter if I knew what was going on. Even to this day, I'll show up at meetings that I wasn't invited to and I'll just be there. Like, hey guys, how you doing? And so if we can have a secure sense of understanding that we belong, even if we don't understand how we fit, even if we seem different, we belong. If that's secure in our hearts, then hallelujah. The second thing is that I would make sure that every believer understood that they were actually needed, that they were actually important to the cause of Christ, that they're important to the body, to the group, that we do work together and that we're necessary. Did you know you're needed? That's kind of a two-edged sword. If you're needed, then that carries a responsibility with it. Because if you're needed and then you're not there or you're not able to function, then there's damage that's done. You're like, I need my elbow. If just my elbow wasn't there, that would be really bad. 
the whole body of Christ is pretty messed up because a lot of parts are missing and a lot of parts are broken and they haven't healed and gotten strong to be able to function. And so you are needed, but understand there's a responsibility that comes with that. And I am so thankful for you, for this congregation, because we work together and get stuff done. If it wasn't for you, the reality is, is that the New Vision Children's Home in Jamaica would be closed right now. It would have closed last year, but we had our missions trip in January. We brought some revenue with that, developed the child sponsorship program. That was taken care of in two, three weeks, fully funded. The ministry is thriving right now, and it would not be happening. It would be closed if it wasn't for this congregation. It's just so important. Understand you are actually needed. The third thing is I would make sure that every believer understood that we all need each other. You belong, you're needed, and so are they. If you don't want them to belong, your job is just to agree with God because they do. They might not be the same as you. They might be different. Might be a a long-haired philosophy student that asks dangerous questions. They belong. They are needed. We need each other. Jesus said he was going to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. What that means is, is that we're not in a defensive posture. Not only will we be able to hold our ground, but we'll be able to storm the gates of hell and rescue people from damnation. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are an offensive, attacking group. The only way we can lose is through division inside our ranks. It's the only way we can lose. We must love one another as Christ loves us. The Apostle Paul, Paul the destroyer of the church, who becomes Paul the apostle to the Gentiles, he explains this transition of bringing in the Gentiles and connecting the Jew and Gentile together in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. He explains that in Ephesians chapter 2 in a very, very beautiful way. So we're going to read through that. But before we read that, if you feel like you're far away from God, if you feel like you love God, but you just don't belong, you don't fit in, you don't understand where your place is, you need to pay close attention to these verses. Let's go to Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, so you that are excluded, people who talk about how you don't belong, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. What's worse than being without hope and without God in the world? The only thing I can think of is being without hope and without God in the church. We must make the connection, that heart connection. Is it available to us? Is it available to the unchosen? Verse 13. But now, I love that, but now, in Christ Jesus, you once who were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, So the the Jews and the Gentiles, the two, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. 
and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens. If you feel like you're a foreigner, an alien, the excluded, the unchosen, God has made a way. You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. What lineage do you get to claim? What history do you get to claim? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you get to stand on the solid rock, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, on the apostles and prophets, the history of the church. We belong to that, not excluded, but included. But we have to make the pledge. We have to say, yes, Lord, I'm in. He's opened the door, but we have to walk through it.